0: Has anybody heard of these two verses before? Exodus 20 tells us, You should have no other gods besides me. And Deuteronomy 6 says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Has anybody heard those two verses before? Yep. Yeah. And if we want to go to the New Testament, we find these verses Matthew 22, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And Luke sixteen says, No one can serve two masters. Either they will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So these verses pretty much tell us what Heidi told us before. God alone. That's all there is to it. We either are serving God or we're not. You can't partly serve God. But some people try to, and I think we all try to sometimes. And in the Bible, we find two people who have some similarities and then have some differences. And so I want to look at these two people. Before. But before I get there, I want to anybody but Kelly or Matt, can they tell me who this person is? Matt's dad. And if you have a look, you can see... Oh, this is... Daniel, Matt, and Don is his name, Matt's dad. You can see the Patterson genes. The Patterson genes are very, very strong, especially in the males. So much so that once Matt's brother, who didn't have any kids, was holding Daniel when Daniel was like three, and someone who knows him but hadn't seen him for a while came up and said, oh, have you had a son? He went, no, 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 my nephew. But it's really, really strong. And you've probably all heard the saying, like father, like son. And what you'll find with these three, not only do they look alike, but they have some similarities. So I will go down to Karambara, which is where Don and Gail, Matt's parents, live. And the way that Don teases Gail is exactly the same way that Matt teases me. So I'm like, oh, Don, that's where he learned it from. And then Daniel is picking up some of the same (laughs) traits. So the other day we're in the shops And they had um, Nutella. At the moment, you can buy Nutella with, like, names on it. One of the names on there was Grumpy. And so Daniel picks it up and says, Mum, I should give this to you for Christmas because you're grumpy. And who do you think calls me grumpy all the time? Matthew. Matthew. I claim that I'm actually not grumpy, and that's why they call me grumpy because I'm never grumpy, which is probably not true. But I'm not as grumpy as much as I get told. But I don't want to talk about Don and Matt and Daniel today. I want to talk about another father and son who have some similarities, and this is David and Solomon. And so, one of the things, let's have a look at David's life first. So, with King David in Second Samuel, it tells us this: in the spring, at the time where kings go off to war, David sent Jehab. Out with the king's men and the whole Israel army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged rabbi. I know I'm not saying that right. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent, him, sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Seize Bathsheba. The daughter of Elam and the wife of Urien the Hittite. Then David sent the message to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her mentally uncleanliness. And then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So if you read a bit beforehand, you'll find out that David is already married, he already has wives. But he's meant to be off at war, and instead of being off at war, he decides to stay home and send everybody else. And as he's doing that, he's sitting on his balcony, he sees someone and goes, Ooh, looks good, let me have her. Even though he knows that he she's already someone else's wife. Sleeps with her, she gets pregnant. Then we move on to Solomon. King Solomon, however, this is found in One Kings. Loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. So she was already married to Pharaoh's daughter. From all these places that I'm not even going to attempt to name, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, You must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to his love in them. So, like father, like son, we see David and Solomon have a similar love of women, which is good. It's good to love women. But they took it one step further, and they loved women that they were never meant to love. But if you look about David's life as a whole, you'll find out that this is what summarises David's life. Okay? This is what everybody says about David. He's a man after God's own heart people heard that before, The David, he's a man after God's own heart. You should be like David, who's a man after God's own heart. You hear it all the time. And then people change it and say, oh, of course, for you women, you should be a woman after God's own heart because, you know, got to change it. But Solomon, if you look at Solomon's life, what he's known for is actually being half-hearted. So if you look at Solomon, if you read stuff about Solomon and look at the big picture of Solomon, the way that people describe his life as a whole is he was half-hearted after God. It's not that he didn't love God and didn't follow him sometimes. It's just he didn't always do that. So we have a father who is known as a man after God's own heart. And we have a son who is known for being a bit here and there when it comes to the things of God. But they both, as we saw just before, did a similar thing in terms of not doing what God really wanted them to do. God did not want David to look at Bathsheba and lust after her and then sleep with her and have a child. We actually find out with David that God actually sends Samuel. So Samuel goes to David. Nathan, thank you, sends Samuel. Nathan goes to David and he says, hey, I've got a story to tell you. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. And Nathan goes on to tell this story about how the rich person sees the lowly sheep of the poor person and takes that sheep for his own. And David's like, what? What injustice? I'm so angry about this. Tell me who it is and I will go and get mad at them and tell them how awful they are. And then Nathan says, you are that man. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you over king of Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. But he goes on to say, you're not doing what I told you to do. This is not what I told you to do. And you are actually not obeying my laws. David's response is, he says to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But then Nathan says, but there are consequences. And your son is going to die. And so David actually weeps and prays and fasts for ages as he's asking God, please do not kill my son. And then he finds out from the servant, his son has died. And he gets up, cleans himself off. And the servants are like, what are you doing? Like, why were you so upset and now you're not? He said, well, God can do what God wants to do. The Tanya version, not the actual biblical verse, in case you're reading it and think that's not what it actually says. Um And then Bathsheba remained David's wife, and they had another son. And do you know who that son was? Solomon. So this is what we find out about Solomon. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. So he followed all these other gods, I'm paraphrasing, and Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not follow the Lord completely as his father has done. He actually even built altars so that his wives could go and worship other gods. And at the very end, it said, The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appealed to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's commandment. So we have two situations here. Two different men. One the father, one the son. One that's called a man after God's own heart. Not because he always followed God, but because when he didn't, he actually repented. The direction of his heart was to say, I want to actually live a life that's pleasing to God. Not because he was perfect and always did. And there's other times that we can read about David where he didn't do what God wanted him to do. But his direction of his heart was towards the things of God. And when Nathan came and said, hey, what you're doing is not what God wants, he's like, oh, yeah, it's not. I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my sin and go back to God. Solomon, on the other hand, followed God sometimes. He didn't never follow God. There were times when Solomon did what God wanted him to do. We have great stories about Solomon who God says to Solomon, hey, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God said, boy, you were so, you didn't ask for money and you didn't ask for a whole heap of other things. I'm going to give you those things as well. I'm going to bless you because of what you asked for. Solomon actually built God's temple That's how much he did for God. He built a whole temple out of gold for him. But there were times in his life when God said, this is not what I want you to do. And instead of repenting and saying, I want to move in the same direction as God is, he said, "Nope, I don't care. I'm not going to listen. And that's what made Solomon half-hearted. This is an illustration that you may have seen before. Um, it's used for lots of different things. But let's say this represents someone's life. So in your life, you have lots of different things. And all the dots are different sizes because some things take up more of your life than others. So in here, we have different hobbies that you might do. You've got friends, you've got family, you've got work, you've got church. There'd be a whole lot of stuff that you'd put into your life. So if you think about your life... um, Sorry, I'm just being distracted. I'm wondering what Kelly's whispering about. (laughs) That's a problem with sitting in the front seat, front row. Um, So this is your, sorry, this is your life and there's a whole lot of stuff that's in there, okay? And all of us have what you could call like the driver's seat of our life, the decision-making seat. What makes the decisions in your life? And someone who follows Jesus is someone who says, Jesus is the one who is in that seat. And I, myself, is beside it. So the S is self, So a Christian, a follower of Jesus, is someone who says, when it comes to my work, to my family, to my hobbies, to my friends, to my church, to my money, to my life, to every little thing that I do, it all gets put through the direction and the filter of what is God doing here and how do I play a part in that. Does that make sense? Now, once I remember talking to this with a group of people and they said to me, you're completely wrong, Tanya. That is not how it goes. This is how you go. It's the same thing, but I'm on the driver's seat because I decide everything and I consult Jesus. So Jesus is there. He's right beside me, but I am in control and I consult with Jesus. I would like to put it to you that we have David's picture on the left. Yes? And Solomon's picture on the right. The Bible makes it really clear. If we are to follow Jesus, what do we have to do? We have to deny ourselves. We have to say, not my will, but your will be done. We have to say, what you care about matters more than what I care about. That It's a daily choice. To actually say, Jesus, you are the one that's in control. And you're in control whether I like it or not. When Solomon and some other people say, you know what? I think Jesus has some good things to say. I might even want to go to church and learn about them. But I'll decide which of his things I will follow and which of his things I won't. So it's not that Solomon didn't listen to God. He just decided what he would do with what he heard. When someone who wants to follow God actually says, if God says it, that's enough for me. And that's enough for me in every area of my life. Because it's interesting what Michelle shared this morning. Because how true is it that we actually find ourselves saying, this is where God is and this is where I am and my family and whatever and I'll decide for this. But, oh, yes, this is a God thing, but this isn't. And that's because we actually separate our lives when God never wants us to do that. And the Bible makes it really clear that he's either Lord of all and King of kings, like he's above everything, or he's just a nice guy that has some good ideas that we may follow. or not just like, I have good ideas sometimes. Maybe you should follow my ideas. I'm happy to talk to you and consult. Completely different. If we are a follower of Jesus, we cannot be half-hearted. Luke 16 says you cannot serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But we could actually say you cannot serve both God and whatever else it is that you put before God. Sometimes. Because I am guessing everybody in this room wants to follow the things of God. You probably wouldn't be here otherwise unless someone dragged you along. But we all want to know what God is saying. We want to follow the things of God. But the thing is, and the thing that God's been challenging me on, is do I always do that? And what is it that takes his place? I know for me what takes his place is other people. Because I care more sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes I care more about what other people think, what other people say, or what other people don't say, than I care about what God says. And that impacts my life greatly. Not all the time, but when it does, it impacts it greatly. Because I will go, boy, like this year, I've actually thought, sitting in this church service one Sunday, I sat there and I thought, you know what? I am useless to this body. There's no point in me being here. Now, that is a complete and utter lie. And it's got, it's got nothing to do with what I actually do. It's got to do with what God says. And God says I am his child. And God says that I have a, plan, that I have a purpose. God says that he made me and created me the way that I am. And there is actually value in that and that alone. Even if I did nothing, even if I just walked in on a Sunday, sat in a seat and walked out on a Sunday, I would still be valuable to this church and to this body. But I don't believe that sometimes. Why not? Because I choose to believe what people say or what people don't say or what I think about myself more than I do about what God says. And sometimes the decisions I make are not based on what God says. It's based on what I think would be nice. And that is what makes the difference between David and Solomon. Now Solomon we see in big ways. Like he took other wives and he actually worshipped other gods and he built altars for other gods. And so we could say, yeah, of course, Tanya. Like that's a massive difference. To mean, like It's clear that Solomon was half-hearted towards God. But the thing is, When God says to us, hey, the direction you're walking in is not the direction I want you to walk in, which he always says to us at some point, we never walk fully how God wants us to, what do we do in that moment? And that's what makes the difference. In that moment, David said, I've sinned against you, God. I'm so sorry. I don't want to do this anymore. Solomon said, "Mm, I love my wives more. Bad luck. It's not that he never followed God. And this is, I think, the big difference. If we want to actually be followers of Jesus, it means what direction are we moving in? It's not about being perfect. It's not about always doing what is right. But it means every area of my life, if Jesus says something into that area, what he says rules over everything. Half-hearted, God's on heart. We want to be a church, and I hope you want to be a people that lean much more between what is God's heart and let's do all we can to be in that direction than being half-hearted. It's sometimes easy to be half-hearted because then you can pick and choose. You can say, you know what, God, I really want to go on a holiday. So I'm going to save up to go on a holiday. I love holidays. I'd love to go on a holiday. So I'm going to save up and go on a holiday. But then I hear the small voice of God saying, you should give that money to someone. Oh no, I want to go on my holiday. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go on my holiday because that's what I want to do, and I can justify it. I can tell you how God wants us to rest and how holidays are really good, like which I think they are. Like I don't think God's against holidays, but if God is saying something different, what do I listen to? Most of the time, yes. John. <laughs> John 10.10 says this, The thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's why Jesus wants you to listen to him and him alone. Not because, like, he's some dictator that says, if you do not listen to me, I will make your life miserable. Because most of the time he doesn't. But he says, I have what is best for you. Not what's easy, not what's comfortable, but I have what is best. And when we know who Jesus is, when we understand all that he has done for us, our direction that we want to head in should always be, what is God saying? And when I know what God's saying, then I move. And when I don't know what God's saying, I read his word and he tells me what he's saying anyway. you mean like, if you don't know what God's saying to you and you're like, that's all good and well, but I don't know what God's saying just read the Bible because the Bible would say something and then just do, if you just followed what the Bible says, like we'd spend our whole life following God. Pretty, not that amazing thought. But anyway, um, but he came because he wants us to have a full life. He wants us to have the best life. He wants us to have a life that is all that he wants it to be. Um, David Solomon Sometimes people, and there are people that if you were drawing this circle of their life, that Jesus wouldn't even be part of it. That's what you call a non-Christian. Someone who says, Jesus, I don't even know him. I want nothing to do with him. But there still are people who say, I want to follow Jesus when it suits me. I want to follow Jesus when he says what I want him to say. Most of the time he can say really good things. So you can follow God like most of the time. And this is what God's been convicting me of. Do I follow him most of the time? So I feel like, good, I'm following God. But what's that one area? And it can sometimes be one area where someone else or something else takes the priority of what God says. And I've already told you what my big thing is. And that's pretty much like, it covers a lot of area, but that's pretty much my big thing is I come to a point sometimes when I do not believe what God says about me. I believe what I think about me or what I think other people think about me. Because normally it's what I think other people think, not what they actually think. I'm really good at, t- I could tell you all what you think. Not because you think it, but because I'm really good at going, oh, they're all just going, come on, finish up. We've got to go. We've got other things to do. Um, which some, anyhow, but anyhow, that doesn't matter. But I can be good at telling other people what, what they think, which actually isn't true. But what needs to matter more to me is what God says. And I need to act and walk in what God says. I don't know what it is for you. There may be something that you go, you know what, I've dealt with that and I know what it is and that is not an area that actually I'm half-hearted in. But what area is it? Is there an area where God is actually saying, you know what, I want to be God of that area too. You need to trust me. And often it's a matter of trust. We need to trust him to say, that's what I actually think. And if God thinks it, then that's all I need to know. Because he is actually trustworthy. And sometimes we do need to remember that God tells us to deny ourselves and follow him which means not doing what we want to do. But when God says something, when we know it's what God wants, that's the direction that we move in. And when we know that we're not doing it, which we all do, as I said before, even King David, man after God's own heart, he didn't do everything perfectly. didn't always do what God told him to do. But when we know we're not, what do we do about it? And that is really the point where we know whether we're half-hearted after God or fully after God. When God has revealed, when God has revealed, not when someone else has come and like said, hey, you should do something, but when God, by his spirit, has said, hey, watch this. What are you doing there? Is that what I've told you to do? Or when God says, hey, this is what I'm inviting you to do, what do we do in that space when it's not what we want? <laughs> it's easy to do it when we want to do it. But when we don't want to do it, or when we're not doing it, and God says you're not doing it, Are we like Solomon and say, yeah, but I love them anyway, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. And I'll still build you a temple and do all these great things and people can look at me and say, what a great man Solomon was. There's no temple like Solomon's temple. And God says, that's not what I want. I don't want a great temple. I want your heart to be in the direction of me and me alone. You know what, I just want to make sure that if, if anybody is sensing that this is an area that God's speaking to them in, I want to make sure that we're listening to the right voice. Because there can be a voice when you hear something like this that says, oh, you haven't done a good enough job. Like, what are you doing? Like, how dare you not follow me in this? That is not God. The guilt, that is not what this is about. This is about a lovingly father saying, I have what is best for you. And being half-hearted is just too hard. And I don't want that for you. I want you to fully know all that I have for you. But the only way to do that is to fully surrender and know that I alone are Lord of all. And so if you are hearing... Oh, another thing that says I'm not good enough. That is so not what I'm trying to say, but that is so not what God is saying. What God is saying is I have what is best. And it's not easy, but it is what is best. And that's what's great about ID groups, because you can get together with just a couple of people and say, you know what? This is the area that I need you to keep me accountable for. And if you're not in an ID group and you want to be one, come and talk to Matt or I. God, it's a great place to actually like, keep yourself on track of these kind of things to say, well, what is God saying? And how can I put this into practice? So if you are hearing guilt, that is so not God. God is gently saying, I want what's best for you. I want what's best for you. And that area that you're holding on to, it's not worth it. I have so much more. I have so much better for you. And if you're finding it hard to hear that voice, talk to someone get them to pray for you because I don't want anybody to leave here or to spend this week living in guilt and in shame because that is so not what God has for us that is not what he's on about he's on about truth and love and grace and mercy and so if you're not hearing truth and grace and mercy and love then the voice that you're hearing is not from God to so get someone around you to pray with you, to speak those truths into you so that we can be people that actually walk in truth and not walk, walk out of guilt. Because I do things out of guilt sometimes and it lasts like three days. But if I do something out of love, the results are much more long-lasting and that's the voice of God. That's the voice of God.